Hello and welcome everyone to a brand new Ian Hates Conversations Music Edition. Tonight is going to be awesome because you get to hear returning friend of the show, Stephen Giuliano. If anyone doesn't recognize that name, shame on you. He's the lead vocalist in the returning band Requiem and I Am Ghost, but I Am Ghost is no longer a band. By the way, that's only a tiny bit of what Steven does on a regular basis, but we will get to that. We're going to talk about the return of Requiem, do a 10-year retrospective for I Am Ghost's sophomore album, Those We Leave Behind, and a lot more. So let's get to it. We'll begin with the track, Sticks and Stones and Her Lovely Bones, off the Requiem album, The Unexplainable Truth. Enjoy, and I'll see you after the conversation.
All right, everyone. You already know who's on the show, but I'm going to give a quick little intro. This is artist, author, musician, and probably a ton of stuff that I'm missing, Mr. Steven Giuliano. Hey, Steve. How you doing tonight? Hey, how you doing, man? What's going on? Not too much. How did you like that professional intro? That was uh, <laughs> that was pretty amazing. That, that was really cool. You make, you're making me sound a lot cooler than I really am. I don't think that's actually possible for me to do. Wow. Well, thank you. <laughs> Appreciate it. Look, you already know how much of a fanboy of yours I am, so we'll get that out of the way. What I did want to mention is, like, right off, you were on episode 22 of Ian Hates Music. We are now in the 160s. So this is just really awesome to have you back on the show talking about everything that you're doing. That was awesome. Really cool. Thank you. It was one of those kind of earlier get-to-know-you kind of things. You know, we went through a ton of stuff about your background with I Am Ghost and Requiem. We talked about Lovers and Kings. We talked about everything. We're going to hit a lot of that tonight. But what I wanted to start with and I thought this was pretty interesting because I went back and I listened to the conversation. During that period when we talked, you were pretty much done with music. The last thing you were going to do was the farewell I Am Ghost show. Now, though, things have definitely changed. Yeah, that was... <laughs> no, when we talked, um, we talked like last year, um, my goal was to, to do that final um, I Am Ghost show in, um, in Anaheim, and that was going to be it for music. Literally... That was my goal, and that was all I wanted to do was finish that last show. We've been trying to get uh, the entire band, I Am Ghost, back together to do a final show goodbye you know, to the fans for so many years. Right. And like I said before, it just never, it never worked. Not that we you know, couldn't stand each other. Uh, it was just the fact like either when I was available, the other members were either on tour, because um, the other members at the time, a few of them were in Falling in Reverse. Mm -hmm. Another was was uh, in another band, touring Europe um, with this uh, other project. Always touring. All, my whole members of I Am Ghost are completely immersed in their music with other other bands. So they were always touring. So either when I was available, they were gone. When I was when they were available, I was gone right. somewhere working on my book, or I was like out of, you know out of the country or what is somewhere. I was just never. It never worked. It was almost like a joke. It became one of those like. Hey, we're all heroes. Do this. Let's get this reunion show. Oh, I'm not. I can't do it. Right. And then we go. Ah, oh, then you know, almost like that. Wah wah. You know, <laughs> come out out of out of the blue. We, and then um, so finally one day, um, one of the members contacted me and was like, you know, look, we it's it's getting to be ten years of Lovers Requiem. Right. Do you want to you know get a final goodbye show and just do this? And I was like, of course. I've been playing for so long. And he uh, he actually managed to contact everybody. I was like, I will do it, but I'm not going to reach out to everybody. I just don't have the time. Right. You can fight. If you can get everybody to do it, I'm down, 100%. And he did. And uh, the rest is history. We did the final show, and it, was, it sold out like four four months in advance, actually. It was it yep. was amazing. Yeah, we, they, we got offered to do more um, shows after that, like kind of three nights in a row, a chain reaction wow. of... But we decided, no, you know, let's just do one goodbye and just go out, you know, with a bang and just, you know, leave it, leave it with great memories and uh, no stress. You know, let's just have a good time. And it was, it was one of, the, one of the best nights of my life. It was really cool to see uh, kids still care and sing along after all these years. I had no idea. People still cared, honestly. Yeah, no, that was a huge show. And I remember that was supposed to take place because we talked 
early on in 2016, I believe. And that was taking place in October, and then it got postponed to November. Yeah, exactly. Like I stated before, the members are all in other bands. Right. And, um, <laughs> Uh, they two of the members are, were in the same project together, and they got offered a tour to Europe uh, for an entire month, the exact day, you know, the days that we'd be doing the show right. in October. And they called me and they said, "Look, we can't not go to Europe for a month, and can we push the show back?" And um, you know, luckily Chain Reaction was gracious enough to let us do that. Uh, I was a little worried at first. I was literally thinking the gods were just nothing was in the cards for us for this final thought. Right. There was just never, it was never going to happen there, but we, we pulled it off. We tried so hard. I hope the kids understand. We, we, this was like five years in the making, literally. Right. Yeah. And I'm not surprised about that at all. And the reason why I brought up specifically, if you know, farewell, my love, I had Chad on the show, like really close to that time as well. And he had mentioned that they were originally going to be on the show and then couldn't make it because of the postponement. Yeah, they were one of my first bands that wanted to play uh, the show. They were one of the first guys I called once the show was confirmed. Uh, we did, uh, Rec Room did like a two-week tour with them, and they're really a great bunch of guys, yeah. really hard workers. And um, I actually kind of felt like I owed it to Chad because he... He's a huge I Am Ghost fan, and he, you know, I, I re- remember him coming to our shows in Arizona um, and, you know, being in the front row and singing along and stuff, and I was like, you know what, this this guy is such a hard worker with his band, um, you know, I want to put him on, and then I felt so bad having to call him oh, yeah. and saying, look, dude, the show's been moved a month later, uh, I hope you can still play it, and he, at the time, he just said their band was una- unavailable around that time, right. so sadly didn't work out no very true yeah i know he had told me about how he was so extremely upset that he wasn't able to do it but we definitely talked about i am ghost we talked about a lot of stuff on that show so anyways back to what i was originally going to bring up so we talked about music and you were having that final i am ghost show but the big thing was you were kind of you know you were done with music at that time but now you're coming back and you're coming back with requiem right yeah, it, it, you know, it, it's again, it was another thing where the show, the I'm Ghost show is done, and I was like, done music, I was like, you know, going on my life, doing what guys and bands do after, you know, the, it, it ends, uh, and um, I, I got a call from my guitarist from Rec- saying, look, man, you know, I heard that I'm Ghost show went really well, would you be interested in doing a final Requiem show, because we never, we never got a final goodbye for Requiem either, right. it's one of those things where a lot of bands feel like, if you don't get that final closure, this is our last show, um, it will eat at you for the rest of your life. So that's why a lot of bands like to do like a final show, uh, not necessarily just for the fans' sake, but for themselves, because um, it does eat at you every night, and you think about what if and what, why can't we have just done one last show right. together? Um, and he called me and he asked me if I wanted to do it. I said, I am down to do one show. Uh, I kind of agreed to like not do music anymore. <laughs> so he agreed and we, we met and, um, again, it was, it was so weird. Like we, we practiced, we, we did the whole set of the old songs of, um, Requiem and we played them so good as if we never broke up. It was really weird. And then, um, after practice, one of the guitarists, uh, and bass players was like, uh, Hey, by the way, you know, I've been writing music since we broke up. I have a bunch of new songs. Would you be down to like hear them? And oh. It wasn't like, hey, let's write a new album or anything. It was just like, hey, you want to hear them? I was like, yeah. And they 
she him and her played the songs and they were just amazing. I was like, Oh my God, these are really good. Wow. And they're like, thanks. And I was like, well, you know, what do you got to use them for? And they're like, well, no, nothing. They're, they, <laughs> you know, they're kind of too punk rock and metal for my other projects. So we kind of said, well, let's just maybe think about maybe just doing a, an EP or an album, not play any more shows, but just like for fun, just like record them, release it for free. Right. No one gives us, you know, gives a shit afterwards if they we come back or not you know that's what i thought in my head <laughs> and um we started practicing and all of a sudden worst it really was just going to be for fun until we got the phone call from uh uh one of our persons i guess he's i guess he would say he is a person that's would help help recreate in the past oh you know, okay shows and stuff yeah and he told us that a producer was interested in working on our we're working on our second album and we, when we found out who it was, we were just like, wow, maybe we should reconsider this and making maybe concentrate on doing it a little more seriously. That's awesome. Because I mean, for anyone that doesn't know, and I'm sure people who are listening do the Requiem album, the unexplainable truth came out in 2014. So you guys have been relatively silent after that came out. So now to be saying, Hey, we're coming back with a full length. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, we, it's one of those what ifs again, like we, we came out with the album, we got signed to Cleopatra Records for, for a one album deal, we, that's all I wanted, I, I made sure that we were going to be stuck with some label for three or four albums, right. um, and they're, they're great people based in LA, great, great group of people, um, so we, we, we did the album, it came out, and then we went on, we did a few kind of West Coast, California, maybe went to like Arizona and back, nothing too far. Mm-hmm. Um, we were kind of just gearing up to like get ready for like the big tours coming up, like Warp Tour and right. in Europe and Japan and all that. And then we did a we did a full U.S. two month tour with William Control on um, the whole U.S. Yep. And then right after the last couple shows, uh, we found members that were just like, "This isn't working. This this is this whole touring thing and being on the road twenty four seven is just not in the in the cards for me." Right. And, um, you know, you kind of like learn like what, and then I, I, at the time I was pretty upset, but then I kind of realized, well, these are young kids. <laughs> they were 19, 20, sure. literally underage. Like none of the, none of the members besides me and the tour manager were, were over, were over 21. Wow. The rest were all under 21. They couldn't <laughs> even get into bars. And so it was their first tour, like literally their first U S tour. And, and it was, you know, it was, I thought it was an amazing tour. It was a great tour. Um, but it was just one of those things where they realized, wow, there's a lot more work than I thought. Maybe we should kind of like slow down. And then at that time, I was just like, you know what? This isn't going to work. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm the kind of guy where it's either go big or go home. I don't like to do things small. Right. Every, anything I do is big and epic and loud and obnoxious. I don't, <laughs> just, I don't do things just to do things. Um, so we broke up and then we kind of went our separate ways and, um, we were still good friends. We would still support each other. I would still go to their shows and their other projects and go support them at their bar shows or, you know, wherever they played. And, uh, we'd still hang out. Um, it was nothing like I am ghost where we kind of like didn't want to talk to each other for, you know, after for years, this was still like, okay, we broke up. Let's just, you know, move on. But, um, yeah, we, we, we kind of just disappeared for a while. And it's one of those things I feel really horrible because we never, never got a full, a, a real chance to kind of like show people what we ha- we got with the Requiem's first album, mm-hmm. Unexplainable Truth. We never really had got on the road and toured and toured and toured and 
and show people what we were about, which kind of makes me upset because we were, I thought, a really good band. Agreed. Um, especially live. We, I thought we were, we can be down with the rest of any band out there at the time. Yeah. And I can certainly now, I did not get to see Requiem live. Unfortunately, that tour didn't come near me. But I did see you with I Am Ghost Live, and I can definitely speak. I think we talked about this in the first time we spoke. I can definitely speak for how much energy you have, how well you do, especially live, for sure. Yeah, it was it was kind of a I Am Ghost. Um, when you think of Requiem, we, we, know, we did have the dual girl, guitar, girl vocal singing, and me and going back and forth, and we did have the... It was, but the Requiem band was a little more on the metal side than I Am Ghost was. So we were a little more, a little more uh, screaming. And, and so it was a little more intense, actually, than even I Am Ghost right. um, was. So it, it was definitely, it was definitely fun. I, I, lo- I did enjoy Requiem um, touring and, and playing those shows because they were just so fun to play. And then, and then um, you know, we broke up and then it was kind of sad. I, I felt like, <laughs> well... You know, this is just not in the cards. You know, I'm not. I'm not to the point where I want to continue having to find another band, find new members, right. and just do it all over again. It's one of those. Anybody who's in a band, I think, can understand what I'm going I'm talking about. It's just a lot of work. Yeah, I can certainly imagine. I had random bands in the past as well, and nothing, you know, compared to Requiem or I Am Ghost. But I certainly understand in a small fraction what that's like for sure. So let me ask you this then, on the same lines, so I know you got Jacqueline back for Requiem Now. Did you also get other people from the original lineup of Requiem? Who's in the band now? We we did have the original, um, we had ja- we have Jacqueline, she's, she's in Requiem, and the last members that did the last tour with Wind Control are all in the band again. Oh, great. So it's pretty much the, the same members that were on the Wind Control tour. Um, the only new member we have is our bass player, who uh, is named Joel Chandler, ah. and he just joined recently. And but the rest is all the same members, and it's so it's it's almost like we never left. It's re- it was really strange when we got back together to do that first practice. Um, we we played the set really well, and I was like, really kind of flabbergasted at the time. I was like, I didn't could not believe after you know a year and a half that we play these songs, and then um so yeah we you know we tried to. Keep get everybody back once again like being in a band is one of the toughest things in life not just going to practice and playing but it's it's like when you are in a serious band that that wants to tour and tour there's so many other um, obstacles you have to figure out and mostly it comes down to like work like how do you make how am i going to make money being in this band if we're always on the road and and you a lot of people can't do it that's why a lot of people quit and they go back to their day job um, luckily the guys and girl in the band are extremely young still, and they're kind of still, you know, living at home and they don't, we don't have to worry about, you know, where they're going to do their corporate job and all that stuff to, you know, make, make a living or support their family or whatever. Right. So we're in a spot right now and we're excited. We're really excited. It's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like, uh, a breath of fresh air. We kind of feel like we're almost a brand new band. That's what it feels like to us. Yeah, and that's an interesting way to put it because I'm going to make everyone extremely jealous out there. I got to hear five demos of the new music already, and it seems like you guys didn't even miss a beat. Thank you. Yeah, it, I wish I could send you more, but it, those were just kind of the ones I could share at the moment. But uh, I understand. Yeah, we we so we got 
after the um, um the last album came out, you know, we were kind of always wondering like, what's the next phase of Requiem? Are we going to go harder? Are we going to go more pop? Are we, you know, because every band thinks that way. Like, right. We, you know, you, for me personally, I never like to do two albums that sound exactly the same. They have to be different. Yep. Um, I just can't do it. I can't do the exact same album. That's why I'm I am Ghost. Uh, you know, we're always searching EP. It sounds nothing. Lovers Requiem and Lovers Requiem sounds nothing like um, those will be behind. Exactly. And, um, you know, it's, it's just not that right Lovers Requiem type song. It's just, honestly, the, we didn't want to. Right. Um, that was that was actually a big thing of ours. Let's not write Lovers Requiem 2. Let's kind of maybe tone it down. Let's not tone it down to a certain extent, meaning the like Latin choir and the little religious tone. Let's become more of a punk band and just more kind of stripped down, naked, you know, in your face, ballsy, you know, not have a thousand tracks going on. Um, and um, so that's where those behind came to effect. A lot of us in that band came from uh, punk rock backgrounds. And when I was a kid growing up in, you know, the 80s and 90s, you know, I, my bands that I listened to weren't like metal. They weren't, you know, pop, pop or whatever. I was listening to Black Flag and Bad Religion and, right. and you know, punk rock. And that's how the rest of us were. We're we were all punk rock kids um, and punk rock, you know, bands, it's all about fast in your face and just, you know, you know, don't worry about, you know, some catchy chorus or whatever, even though I, you know, we, we strive to, to be a, to be good songwriters. But, um, so with the Requiem, it was the same thing. I was like, what do we want to do? And so it seemed like the way it was going was more of the metal, just more metal faster, mm-hmm. A little more angry. Sure. I, I say a lot more angry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, this, al- this new album is angry, 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 and there's a lot more to write about. I thought this time around with politics and with, ah. with Trump and with sure. you know people that have you know pissed us off in the past. We all have like baggage that we're we're carrying, and we <laughs> we want to kind of get rid of it. And right. through music is the best way. Yeah, very true. Once again, that is really interesting that you're able to bring that all together. And yeah, when I said. It's like you haven't missed a beat. It wasn't that it sounds the same. Definitely not. It's more that your voice hasn't gone anywhere. The sound, like, you know that's Requiem when you hear it. Yeah, you know, love it or hate it, you know, I'm not one of those guys. That, I mean, honestly, I don't believe that I have the greatest singing voice in the world. I, I, I know what my what my good parts are, my bad parts, but I, I do know that the positive of my voice is that when people hear me sing, they know it's me. Yeah. They, I, my voice is recognizable. I, I don't sound like anybody else. Nope. So that's a positive. So <laughs> when people hear, hear Requiem, they're going to, people are always like, it was funny because um, when Requiem came out, there's, uh, you know, our songs gone onto YouTube and whatnot, lyric videos and, and stuff. And there wouldn't be any pictures of us. And I just remember reading some comments on the comments and be like, this band's really good. The singer sounds like the singer of I Am Ghost. And I'm just like laughing, like, do they not know this? Right. <laughs> like, you know, simple Google search, they could find out. But, Very true. but yeah, you know, I, I, I strive to just be, do the best I can. That's all I can do. I mean, I, I, I hope that people dig it. And if they don't, then that's cool still. You know, it's a, you can't play and write music to for those people. Just write what you think sounds good and then you just hope that people other people enjoy it exactly yeah you have the right way i mean look you've been doing it for a long time so you're gonna know exactly the way to make music you, for yourself you gotta and, have yeah. 
thick, thick skin to be in this industry. Oh, like yeah. really, like it's probably said a lot, but um, it really is true. I mean, and I learned the hard way. I mean, when I my first three bands, I was not the way I am now. Like I would got hurt if somebody would say your band sucks. I, you know, I would get literally depressed. Um, you know, and I had shows back in the day, and which made me stronger. I remember being in the band called uh, Fallout. Mm-hmm straight punk band punk ska kind of like the suicide machines but more punk oh, sure. and we had shows where because we were playing all over this uh, all the time i was really young at the time and uh we were opening up for like gutter punk bands and like tsol huh. and swinging utters and sure. bands that we should not have been playing with <laughs> like literally like <laughs> kids and mohawks would like you know you know just the wrong crowd. Right. And I remember a few shows just them flipping me off or spinning on the stage or turning their backs to me. I remember at the time getting, getting kind of butthurt, like, wow, they, they don't like us. And then yet, you know, we play another show in Orange County and we would sell it out ourselves, you know, um, with fans. So once I start realizing, you know what, there's going to be people in this world. Doesn't matter what you do, they're always gonna hate your fucking guts and just not enjoy your music. And then there's gonna be people that do. Right. And you gotta just kind of learn. And that's what I learned. I learned with Iron Ghosts. I decided, you know, I'm gonna do this epic freaking opus band with like Latin choirs and a violinist. (laughs) Guarantee there's gonna be people people that are gonna hate us. And we and there were. I mean, there's people that did not dig Iron Ghosts. Yet there were people that that said that we changed their lives. So it's one of those things that you kind of gotta take the good with the bad. Absolutely. I don't know if we talked about this as much on that first episode, but, you know, you talk about people, you know, hating you maybe because you're so different or, you know, loving you, changing their lives because of your music. You were kind of, at least in my opinion, and I think a lot probably, you were a pioneer of doing the mashup of the male and female vocals in a harder band so you know post-hardcore rock metal whatever you want to call it there wasn't a whole lot of that going on you've kept that throughout your pretty much your entire career on major labels does anyone ever bring that up yeah well you know it's one of those things i never strived to be like one day going you know what i want a female singing with me in this band right when it came to i am ghost i mean literally there was no, there was no Kareth in the band when we started. We were, we were just practicing in my garage, and when we tried out our bass player at the time, Brian, um, he tried out, and at the time he was dating, um, <clears throat> dating Kareth. Right. And <clears throat> we were in the practice garage, just practicing, trying him out, and he was like, "My girlfriend's here, and do you mind if she comes in and uh, hangs out?" And I'm like, "Of course, you know, tell her come in." And then she came in. And he's like, "Oh, by the way, she plays violin." And I remember just jokingly going, dude, we'll go get it out. Go right. get it. Go get the violin. Let's, let's jam. Like in my head, I'm like thinking it's a joke. Like what's a violin do in this kind of music, right. you know, <clears throat> he was, and then she went to her car, she grabbed her violin. It was actually at the time, uh, it was a real violin. It wasn't an electric. It was just like an actual acoustic violin. Oh, that's cool. <clears throat> so it was really, couldn't really hear her until we, you know, we tried to mic her strangely, you know, it, at the time, it just sounded really freaking cool. Like we were like, "Whoa, this is really rad!" And so it was an ex- it was a complete accident. Like literally, if she didn't come to that practice, if she decided to stay <laughs> home that day. Um, I don't even know if I am Ghost would have been I am Ghost. I don't know if we would even got signed Epitaph Records. Wow. I don't know if where we'd be. Um, the same with um, the same happened with um, uh, 
Jacqueline, like when, when we were, when we lost our guitarist with, uh, when we were, we actually were writing, we were actually about to go into the studio to record the, the uh, unexplainable truth. Oh. All the lyrics that were written out were actually just me. There was no back and forth female oh, singing. Okay. And, um, I was like to my other guitarist, Ryan Hagem, I was, I was like, do you know anybody that would want to play guitar or <laughs> band? Cause we need two guitarists. He's like, well, I have a friend, a couple friends. He's like, I got this other friend that you might be interested, um, Jacqueline Paulette. And I was like, at the time, I didn't really know her. I just know, knew her through the scene in Santa Cruz because she was kind of one of those young, up-and-coming uh, people that, you know, was being talked about. Right. Uh, she was really young. I think she was 17 years old. Oh, okay. And um, so uh, I was like, well, if she wants to try out, I would love to see if she's even interested. He called her that day. She said she would love to try out. She tried out. Like three days later, I threw her into the vocal booth and, and like put paper in front of her and I said, "All right, these are the lyrics. This is what you're gonna sing." And uh, we that's how Unexplainable Truth got. It was it it was, again. It was, I don't know. If we know how Unexplainable Truth or Requiem would be without Jacqueline. It definitely adds a lot of cool stuff. I don't use women just for the sake of like, oh, use because it'd be kind of cool. People think cooler when we have a girl in the band. Right. I don't do that. I, I honestly view them as the same as a guy musician. Yeah. They're just kick-ass musicians, and it doesn't matter if they're a girl or a guy. Right. They just, they, they fucking rock. Yeah. That's, all, that's all I can, you know, care about, really. Exactly, and I guess that is really why I enjoy doing these conversations, because if you look from the outside, it almost seems like that's your thing. It's like, oh, he must really enjoy the dynamics of, you know, a male doing, you know, clean, unclean vocals with a female doing clean vocals. Like, that's what it looks like. But then to hear it that way is really interesting. Yeah, it's all chance and it's all just by accident and it was never planned out. <laughs> I don't think anything, I don't. I think most things in life uh, that that people believe were just planned out for years and years I mean, I'm not saying they're not, but I believe most things just kind of happen by, by accident and just kind of go with the flow. For sure. And that's what we did. And, and it, you know, we tried, you know, we tried the best we could. I mean, a lot of people also don't understand too, with what I am ghost is that we were only around for five years. Right. We were, we, we started in 2005 and broke, broke up in 2010. Yep. So we really weren't around that long to be honest. And, and it's really cool to, to know that we changed music a little bit in this in the scene and that we change people's lives in such a short period of time and you always look back and go wow what if what if Kareth never quit what if brian never quit you know what if we continued right like doing this you never know like but it could have broken up a year later i don't i have no idea but there's always gonna you always think about that kind of thing you know but um everything happens for a reason i know they're very i know they're really happy what they're doing um with their lives. So that's all that matters. As long as they're happy, as long as we're happy, that's all, you know, I care about. Yeah, exactly. No, that's great. And yeah, I, I am one of those people that you definitely changed a lot of my musical taste. There's no doubt about that. We went over that. I don't want to bore people. We talked about that first episode, <laughs> but uh, getting back to what you had mentioned before about, you know, throwing Jacqueline into the vocal booth and giving her lyrics, how has the writing process changed from the unexplainable truth to now this new album are you still doing all the lyrics and songwriting? How's that working for you? No, it, that's the cool thing about this project now is that w with Unexplainable Truth, I wrote literally everything ly lyrically down to like the oohs and ahs, down to 
the woes and any, anything you, you heard on the album was written by me. Right. Not that, not because I didn't want to, um, I didn't want anybody else to write music. It was just the fact that, that no one else wanted to. So I did. <laughs> and so and they trusted me, which is cool. Right. Uh, with the new with the the new album, when uh, they were showing me their new songs, they they already a few of them. Like Jacqueline already had like a chorus oh. and a pre-chorus to one of our songs called "Chances Are," mm-hmm. and I was like, "Wow, that's I'm not even going to touch that. That's that's such a good chorus. That's." But I've always told them, and they will tell you. I've said this a million times in practice. I don't care who writes the lyrics, as long as it sounds good and it's better than what I can do. Then you know. <laughs> then we're going to keep it, you know, like I've, you know, people have this falsified thing about me sometimes like, you know, Oh, you know, he, we have a little ego, you know, on his side or whatever. That's not the case. I think anybody who's ever been in the band with me knows that I'm kind of like, you know, I'm, I'm down for anybody to be creative in this band or any project I've ever done. And um, I'm down to have anybody be songwriters and the, the, the new members, uh, sorry, the, the, the uh, the members that were on the Willing Control tour, mm-hmm. they've definitely stepped core Coda and Lynn Paulette and Ryan Loomis have just killed it on this album. Like I literally, I'm so I'm really proud of them awesome. for kind of going beyond. You know, I still write majority of the stuff, but they, it, it's cool because I can just now we can write a song and they will just uh, I could say, all right, well, you guys have any ideas? And like Corey wrote, Corey uh, Coda wrote. Um, all the lyrics to um, a song called um, uh, "Dearly Departed," which I ah, think I sent you. You did. You sent me that. Um, and I, I, yeah, I, I even have him singing the singing the majority of the song, and I'm just doing the screams because I thought, you know, no one, it, it's your song. You wrote the lyrics. I think it's best that you sing it. And I, it, we're kind of doing like an alkaline trio thing where the the bass player is gonna, the guitarist is gonna uh-huh. sing, a, you know, more, uh, more of a song. Right. I've never really done that before in a project, so it's kind of cool. Gives me a, gives me some time to like take a rest on stage, <laughs> for sure. And that's kind of what I was going to ask you is if anyone wrote any lyrics for you with this upcoming album, how does that feel to you? Besides maybe a little weight off your shoulders that you don't have to worry about that part, but are you able to inject as much passion? Like, how do you relate to the lyrics if you haven't written them? Well, especially like during the party, like that song when you when you read the lyrics and you know what the song's about mm-hmm. um sadly Cor- Corey's father passed away last oh. year of cancer oh okay so his dad died and the song is about him it's called dearly departed right. and the, the the song was written after he passed away and you know i believe Corey was kind of like just in a bad state right kind of thinking about his life and his dad and he wrote the song and when you hear the lyrics you're just like you can't not, you, you can't but get into it and really feel it and know what he's like talking about. Anybody who's lost, you know, lost a loved one, uh, will know that. So, um, I don't mind just doing the screams. And even like the screams are, you know, for me, I don't know. I've, I've always, I, I'm more of a fan of singing. I'll be honest, sure. but when it comes to screaming, I, I do like screaming on that song. It's really, it's really fun actually. So, wow. um, yeah, it just works out. It's weird how this is all kind of coming together. Yeah, it seems like the pieces have definitely fallen into place, that's for sure. I mean, it seems like this is a very interesting venture for you, but yet it's familiar as well. And I think that's what comes out. When I was listening to those tracks, it sounded 
right on for me. I mean, even being demo versions, I'm obviously looking forward to hearing when all the production goes into it as well. And that is one thing you kind of hinted at it, but I know it's out with the whole press release and everything, right? You can talk about who the producer is going to be, correct? Yeah, we we're working with um, with Scott <clears throat> with Scott Rockenfeld, who is uh, uh, his band Queensrÿche right. has sold like forty three million albums. <laughs> you know, they've had a lot of hits right. back in the day, um, and he's still in the band. But he 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 right now when he's not touring, he does musical scores and you know songs for other artists. Like he he did like the the Star Wars trailer and mm-hmm. stuff, and he, you know for the the, the musical score. Right. Um, and so that is something that is giving us an extra kind of like excitement in the band, because like I said before, we weren't we weren't even interested in even doing this like a full time again mm-hmm. until our friend, um, like I said before, called us and said, hey, look, my lawyer is his lawyer, you know, <laughs> it works with the same lawyer. And he somehow got your Unstable Truth album. And I told him that I work. I used to work with you guys, and he freaking loves it. He wants to. Uh, he wants to talk to you guys. And I, at first, I was like, I was like Scott Rockenfeld from Queensrÿche wants to talk. All right, or whatever. And then so I talked to him, and he was just like, he loved what we did for that album, and he had a lot of really cool ideas, and he he knew the story. He knew how young we were at the time, and he knew we never got a real chance to kind of like go beyond that album. We kind of. Like we, the, the album, the, that album, Unspeakable Truth. We didn't have any producer. It was done by us. Like literally, I guess I, I guess I was the producer, and the bass player was the producer, and the guitarist was the producer. Because there was no one there to kind of guide us. We just kind of, hey, this sounds cool. I was like, let's record it. Like I saw, you know. And sometimes I work with big time producers with like Lovers Requiem, and you know, those be behind. I work with people, and it's really good to have somebody that's not in the band kind of say their piece and say, well, you know, well, maybe we should try this right? because, you know, it's just good to hear a, a, a sixth ear and that's can kind of, and somebody, somebody who's a lot older than us, that he's been around the block and he's toured the world a million times and he, you know, he knows how to have radio hits and stuff like that. And right. so it's cool. I mean, we don't have to listen to him. That's what people understand with producers. It's not like what they say is the final and we have to change our music for him. But, um, you know, he's been so cool to us, like talking about the album and giving us notes on the songs and stuff. And I'm like, whoa, actually, I didn't even think about that. Maybe we should try that, you know? So yeah, he's really cool. And, and, you know, right now we're still doing pre-production. We decided to write more songs. Very cool. So we're not in this rush. Like a lot of bands are like, all right, go into the studio, record and get the hell on tour. Like, we don't want to do that. We just feel like that's going to just going to be counterproductive. Right. So we decided, you know what, let's write a few more songs, see which, you know, have the basic songs we have, which 10 are going to be on the album. And then we'll go from there. And hopefully we'll uh, get this album out, hopefully by the end of the year. Oh, awesome. Okay. Yeah, I was obviously, I was definitely going to ask you that for sure. Well, let me ask you this. So you're going to have 10 tracks, you said, probably out towards the end of the year. Is this going to be a concept album, or are you writing this completely differently? No concept this time around okay. um, that I can think of. But the thing is, with me, you never know. Like, I might wake up in the, in the middle of the night and go, I got an idea. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll just like go on a tangent and figure something else. I, I don't know. I mean, at the moment, you know, 
we, we don't want more than 10 songs being okay. the fact that I don't want any filler songs on this album. I want every, I want all 10 songs to be like the best we have. And, um, I want to be able to like be proud of every single song. I mean, I'm not going to lie on unexplainable truth. There's 14 songs and plus another song. So 15 songs. Yeah. There's just too many songs. I mean, that's, <laughs> I mean, you can't, you can't write 15 just mind blowing epic songs. No one does. There's it's no tough. band right. that has 15 songs on their album that every single one of them is just like good. Right. There's, there's always going to be one or two or three that are like, uh, oh, they're all right. You know, <laughs> and I don't want to have filler. I want to have, just 10 songs and it just, it's easier. It's just easier to record and it's easier to get through the day. Right. Um, I, I guess again, being from my punk rock background, you know, I'm used to albums having like 17 songs on them. You know, that's just where I come from, but <laughs> we're not punk rock necessarily. So I kind of stream it back a little bit. Right. 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 No, that's, that's very true. And I, I actually completely agree with that as well. I'm always more a fan unless it's a concept album where an interlude or something is going to tell you a little bit of the story. Other than that, mm -hmm. I'm mostly for, yeah, let's just do this. 10 straight tracks, all amazing. Bam. You're good to go. Exactly. I can definitely get behind that. That's for sure. Well, one of the reasons why I also brought up concept albums, obviously your past is a lot of concept albums, but then also, you know, you are a really great artist. You do designs, you're an illustrator, you make all this really, really cool art. And I noticed that the artwork for Requiem is completely different, I would say, than what your normal style or quote unquote yeah. normal style is. <clears throat> yeah, it's a you know, it's a laser beam, it's like a laser gun. That's why I wasn't sure. I was like, is this gonna be a space concept? Like what is he doing well, here? Definitely that was the so the beginning stages of when we started throwing all these songs together we were like, you know, for, first off, we're not going to, we don't want to do the same thing as Unexplainable Truth, even though we love that. We love a bunch of the songs on that album. Mm -hmm. But um, we always felt like that song, that album didn't have an identity. I mean, the album cover with the girl floating in the ocean, you know, right. didn't really, for me personally, it didn't identify, I think, with what we were striving for in the Unexplainable Truth. With, with this album, we are pissed off. We're angry. The songs are fast. They're aggressive. They're in your face. And we definitely have this kind of like political aspect, like resist. And, you know, uh, we wanted to, we want to have, when the album comes out to have everything kind of match, including the artwork. Okay. And I think when it comes to, when it comes to, when it comes to the new album, we haven't really decided yet what the name of the album is going to be, but there's definitely going to be, this politically charged kind of atmosphere along with uh, what's going on with, you know, society and whatnot. Right. And the laser gun, you know, we didn't want to have a real gun, you know, on the cover. We're not that, we're not, you know, NWA or something, you know, we're not trying to like be that, like we're some badass band having a gun. So we thought, you know, what would be cool? Like it'd be like a, a ray gun from like the future, you know, it's, it's kind of campy. It's kind of, kind of comic booky. Kids, kids can get into it. It's, it's a ray gun shooting lasers, not, not, you know, semi-automatic bullets. Right. And, uh, yeah, it still kind of gets your point across. And, um, so we definitely, we, when you see this new album, anything I do is going to be art related. I, I mean, I do everything down to the merch, down to the um covers, down to tour posters, whatever. I, I usually design everything. Not that I, like, I, say I have to do it or I don't want it to be done. It's one of those things where it's like, I might as well do it. Cause that's what I do for a living. Right. 
And uh, I don't know why I would pay somebody <laughs> to do something that I can just do myself. Yeah. So, yeah. So if you go to our site, uh, you know, Facebook slash Facebook.com slash Requiem Rock, you'll see, you know, kind of like the idea, the concept. It's kind of still in the early stages, though. I think it's going to change, but you're going to kind of still see that that kind of 1950s era slash but kind of futuristic kind of combined meshed together in a cool little like you know punk metal ball like of 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 coolness i i can't <laughs> explain it like we want to be we want to do something that a lot of bands are doing so right. hopefully uh you know you guys dig it yeah no it definitely stood out to me as something that was striking something definitely different from what i've seen you do before that's absolutely for sure yeah again like i said i don't I do not like to do the same thing twice. So anything I do is going to be completely different from the next. No, I. I think people by now should realize realize that. (laughs) Literally, like every band I've ever been in has been completely different. Not that it just I get bored easily, and I don't like to write another exact same album. So that's why, if you look at my musical history, my first band was like a ska band. Yeah, you know, because I was in the ska. I'm still in the ska. I love ska. I love reggae. Um, And then the next band was. Punk, politically charged punk rock with ska, and then after that it was more of like just straight ahead punk, and then after that it goes like it was like a metal band, and after that I'm Ghost came into being, right. and then that then that changed. So it's like <laughs> you know like kind of ever evolving, you know. No, very true, very true. We'll tell you what, let's get back to Requiem a little bit later. We also wanted to you know spice things up a little bit, and I realized that those we leave behind actually came out in 2008. And one of the big things to do nowadays is to do those 10-year retrospectives. Yeah. So I figured not only do we get to talk about awesome new music from Requiem that's going to come out, but also let's dive a little bit into those we leave behind and really get into that a little bit. So I wanted to ask you, obviously, we touched a little bit on it before, but this is the follow-up to Lover's Requiem. I know you didn't want to redo that album. You also had member changes. What was your mindset going into this album oh my god my mindset was we were we were completely nuts we were (laughs) we were the most dysfunctional literally we we were it was the epitome of dysfunctional i am ghost at that that time right we 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 were we were on tour for literally i would say two years straight besides recording lovers requiem touring and then literally coming home for a week back on another tour going to another state and then jumping on to another tour going to europe coming back being home for two weeks coming back on tour for four more months like it, it was it was to the point where um for two of the members it was just too much right. they just didn't want to do it anymore hence Kareth and brian quit yeah and we were in the middle of um when they quit we were in the middle of a she when she quit we were in the middle of the chariot tour with evergreen terrace yep and we had to do that whole tour without her. And then we, we jumped from that tour to warp tour, the Vans warp tour and not just like four dates or five, the whole, the whole <laughs> warp tour. So we had to do the whole tour without her. And then her husband, um, at the time, Brian continued to be in the band with his wife back at home. And, um, he, knowing that that was going to be his last tour. And then after that tour, we, ju- we were going to jump onto the, uh, the Aiden tour. So yes. we were just like tour, tour, tour. And um, after we did all that and we lost Brian Kareth, we were we kind of like didn't really know what our identity was going to be anymore. We lost a big part of our band and we were we lost members and we, you know, and a lot of it was just because we were so 
we were we were told at the time the only way you're going to make money is the tour. Like you're not going to make money off CD sales. Right. You're not going to make money off royalties. You know, you're going to make money off merch. You're going to make money off of uh, your your guarantees each night. Yep. And that's it. And that's true. I mean, especially nowadays. But back then, we were kind of, you know, on the cusp of getting money. You know, for pretty large amount of money for like recording budgets and music video budgets. But um, it wasn't going into our pockets. It was going into, you know, honestly, the label's pocket, and and, and which is fine because they were paying for it. And our management, which we we went through about four or five different managers through the five years. So uh, we went through like a manager a year. Wow. Yeah, there was just so much weirdness going on. We were firing people left and right because they were stealing from us. Oh. They were being shady. Right. Yeah, it was it was bad. I mean, we had, we tried to keep a straight face, a, a smiley face, knowing that what was going on. And then finally, we were told by Epitaph, all right, we're gonna, we're not, we're, we told your agent not to book any more tours for like two months. You guys, tight album. And we had no songs. Oh, wow. <laughs> like we, were on the, we were on the road the whole time. So we, we never had a chance to go into a go into a studio and just write or a garage like we used to and just write. So we took off a few months and we just wrote in my garage wow. um, every day. We, none of us worked. So we got every day, nine to five, go in the studio or garage for, you know, in the mornings, have your cup of coffee and then just write music till it gets dark and then do it all again. And then, um, that's where those leave behind came. And if you can see from that album, it was a lot angrier, a lot more, uh, punk rock, a little more just in your straightforward in your face. Yep. Because at the time we were, we were, we were pretty angry, not, not at each other, just like at what had happened to the, the project, because we thought it wasn't going to be like that, you know? Right. And, but yet, yet when we, when the, um, when we finished the album in Maryland, we we got flown in Maryland. We stayed there for an entire month. We lived there and recorded. It was like a breath of fresh air. Like once the album was done and we heard the playbacks, we're like, okay, this is cool. Like it's not the same. It's not Lover's Requiem. We we write Lover's Requiem. We thought if we tried, it would have been like a slap to the face to all you guys. Right. If we would have just hired another guitarist, I'm sorry, another violinist and hire another girl and have her sing Kara's parts. It just would have been not real. It would just been like packaged bullshit. So we just did, we thought was, 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 what was right. And then we went to Europe for a few months and we did more tours and festivals and warp tour again. And we, it kind of like revigorated us again. Um, but then again, <laughs> we were on the road, uh, 300 days a year. Wow. And we, it it got to the point where that's towards the end where I, where I am goes kind of like where I personally said, I just can't do this anymore, yeah. you know? Um, but that album, we had a lot of good memories after it was recorded and released because it did give us an extra two years. I think of, of constant of playing shows. If it wasn't for that album, I would have, we might've just disbanded right after lovers Requiem and never played again. So it was it was cool that it came out. You know, I, I do have great. I, there's a lot of songs in there that I'm really proud of, and um, and especially the guys in the band like Ron Ficaro and mm-hmm. Justin, and, yeah, you know Chad and, and Timmy. We're you know at the time we were just guys struggling like everybody else, and just you know we depended on each other. I depended on Ronnie, and Ronnie depended on me, and and we were kind of like thrown into the fire, and it was kind of like us against the world, really. 
and and that, that album I think kind of shows you how we felt at that time. Oh yeah, if you listen to it, it's especially Bone Garden and you know those of you behind those songs just are so angry and so pissed off, and um, I think that explains perfectly at the time like how we were feeling. I mean, we talk about you know not wanting to do another Lovers Requiem, but was there the pressure on you? to outdo that album or even the pressure to make an album very similar to that one when you're you know writing in the garage nine to five how did you decide how that record was going to come out well you know personally to this day i I know that epitaph records wanted us to write another lover's requiem i mean i'm i I guarantee it that brett Gerowitz and the rest they really, really wanted probably us to get another, to hire another uh, violinist and kind of continue. And they might have been right. I, I don't know. I mean, the thing was, you know, us as five guys traveling around the world together, we we had kind of this thing where it's like you can't tell us what to do. We're gonna do it the things our way type type thing. Yeah. And that came back to our punk rock mentality of just kind of like fuck you labels and like <laughs> society and management even though we had to have booking agents we had to have you know lawyers and managers because that's what you need when you're doing that much touring you're never home right we always hated it we literally all we hated having all those people like part of our band if it was if it could have just been us five we would have done it but we just we couldn't do it right and um we we the, the idea floated a few times i know management like told us we should have consider doing a lover's requiem too and this and that and i just know the members were kind of over the whole like vampire like bullshit back then it was we kind of started it and then it got overplayed to the point where like twilight and everything oh, like, yeah. like we did it before that came out like it, the thing about that it was like a rock opera dark just you know gothic epicness and we were doing it before it was actually kind of cool to be dark and epic True. like that. It was kind of like my chemical romance. Yeah. Yeah. It was just kind of getting big and it still wasn't really, they weren't really, you know, the band that everybody loves nowadays. So it was, it wasn't like the cool thing to do. People don't understand. Like when you're starting a band in 2004 and five, like what we were starting, it was not the cool thing to do. And then when it came out, it, it was like, you know, 2006 and seven, it was like, everybody was doing it. Everybody was, wearing eyeliner and going on topic and singing about ghosts and vampires and zombies and blood and all that. And then, so after lovers requiem, we were like, we, we kind of felt like, fuck dude, everybody's doing that now. Everybody's kind of like, we weren't, we, we didn't think they were biting off us or anything. We were just kind of like, fuck, we don't want to do the same thing. I know a few of the members were adamant about like not singing about like, you know, blood and, and, and about singing about being dead and, this and that and you know because when i did it for love is requiem it was again it was all a concept album so it made sense right to sing about that kind of, it wasn't like just random <laughs> bullshit it was it was all concise planned out like a, like, a, like a movie yeah and um so now you know now there's bands nowadays that are doing it i'm not going to name names but there's bands that do the whole dark goth you know sing about death and blood and blah blah, blah <laughs> you know and so it's cool, like if you want to do that, and that's why like, with Graham and you know it's completely different. I don't sing about like vampires and ghosts, and you know, it's just more of like how I'm feeling at the time, um, how society's doing, a little more politically charged. But with those leave behind, 
that's how we felt. We didn't want to do another. We 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 felt that if we did another lovers' requiem, it just would have been fake. We want to. We did, we knew that you guys are just way smarter than than what the labels thought. You know, we we knew you guys would smell. We know literally. We knew you guys would smell bullshit. Like if we came out with like this half baked fucking lovers' requiem too. Like right. you guys would. No, we were just doing it because we needed a paycheck and we didn't want to be that band. Right. So we just experimented with something, something different. I, I mean, again, I don't necessarily know if it worked or not, but we just did what we felt was right at the time. Yeah. And the reason why I chuckle at that is because it sounds funny coming from you to say that. You know what I mean? Like listening as a mm-hmm. fan to you say that is exactly how I feel about it. But you know, right now in 2018, with the way things are, that's the way it would go. You know, if you were yeah. if you were in the pocket of some label right now, you would definitely be doing Lovers Requiem too. You'd be doing that right now. If you if you sign with a major label, they would probably force you somehow to do that because yeah, it'd be you nostalgia, know, you know? But I would say fuck you. Yes. I would to fuck off. Like literally like I I I've always been the guy that I like to do things my way or our way, not my way, but our way. Right. Um and fuck but fuck your thoughts and your opinions and we don't care. You know, we do, we do things that we like because in the end, we're the ones that have to play these songs every single All night. The we're the time. ones that have yeah. to go to bed and think about the next day of what we're going to play. And you know, this is not, you don't, the fan doesn't have to do that. They right. can listen to our song. They can toss in the garbage and not listening. <laughs> like it's, it's obviously it's different for everybody, but for, for me personally, I've always just felt, let's just, Let's just do things how we we want to do it, and then that's that's the only way it's gonna keep us sane and keep us together is when we do things that we we feel happy and we wake up excited to play our songs and not bummed out, you know. Right. So you know, with with those behind again, completely different band, and people wouldn't say I, I know for a fact we we weren't trying to like like uh, screw with you guys, and, and and but like literally that is what at the time we doing and um you know no we're not stupid we know that it, it sounds nothing like lover's requiem right um but we did not want it to sound like lover's requiem you know we could easily have done it if we wanted to we could have easily like i said before gone out hired a girl violinist they're out there there's actually a lot of them oh, yeah. we, we, we were considering trying them out um and we could have done the whole vampire zombie blood you know wore wore our makeup and done all that and it might have been really fucking cool it might have been really st- like i don't know like when, it's one of the things i can't in retrospect tell people like what it would have been because none of us really know you right. know so it, it's it's strange being in being in music it's one of those like where you please the fans but but in the end you have to please yourself right. or it's just it's not going to work absolutely and yeah i was i was thinking about that i also laughed when you were talking about my chemical romance and not being popular at that time and now everyone's listening to my chemical romance everyone wants the reunion to happen all that kind of stuff i remember listening to i brought you my bullets and people making fun of me for it oh i saw i saw my chemical romance um around that time the the, the body of the bullets yeah. um before three trips with sweet wrench came out maybe a year or two before it came out mm-hmm. um they played the Indie factory in la and I saw them because I liked the album and I saw them in front of 30 people. Yep. Um, and so it's one of those things where it just, you never know, you know, it, it, again, they're, they're an amazing band. And right. but like I said, 
at the time, no one, n- no one was doing what we were doing and no one was doing what they were doing. So it was a risk. It was a huge risk huge. back in the oh, early yeah. 2000s to do, to walk on stage with makeup and eyeliner and, and, and kind of like theatrical um, was a big no-no. You got made fun of. You yep. got called a fag. Yep. You, got, you got called gay. You got, you got shit thrown at you, spit on. It just wasn't a cool thing to do and do your hair all crazy. And, and then, boom, 2006 hits. And it's like Everyone. everybody was. I mean, literally, I'm not even joking. No, Every true. single band was wearing eyeliner and trying to be theatrical on stage. Or not theatrical necessarily, but it, 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 not saying that's bad. No. I'm just saying that, um, that us and the other bands that were doing it early on, we, we were taking a risk because it was, you know, it wasn't the cool thing to do. Like I, I, I still remember walking into on stage, walking backstage dressed up and seeing the bands react, other bands reaction. Like who the fuck are these guys? You know? Yeah. And now, you know, it's, it's completely different. So absolutely different, but it is what it is <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. No. And that's, it was kind of what I was talking about with the, kind of pioneering of the male-female dynamic, you were also pioneering that look. You know, when I look at Lover's Requiem, I see what you see because I love that album so much. It's not it's not just about jumping on a vampire craze because at that time there wasn't a vampire craze. So it's a lot different in retrospect. But I did want to ask you because you mentioned it as well. You know, it's coming up on Warp Tour's final tour. You did Warp Tour. How do you feel about that tour finally calling it quits? It's sad. I mean, since I've been going to, I've been going to Warp Tour since uh, probably the late '90s. Going to just as a young guy, going to see my favorite bands, and I just, I still remember before I ever played Warp Tour, like being in that line waiting for the, the gates to open, oh, yeah. and just dreaming, like, man, one day I'm gonna. I'm going to play Warped Tour, you know, and I think every guy or girl in the band or it's in line dreams about that. And then to then years later to be playing, be playing Warped Tour and even headlining a few of the big stages and, and seeing how the, in you know, the interactions go and the, you know, the, the, how, how it is. Um, it's, it's like a, we're losing a, a friend because I've been, again, this has been part of my life for like half my, more, more, more than half my life. Right. So it's it's really sad. I mean, the biggest issue I feel bad is that a lot of a lot of my friends' bands are young, like members that are in my band. They're like in their early twenties. Mm-hmm. They'll never know what it feels like to be on Warped Tour. Right. They'll never know how it is to like travel each day in another you know venue and play in front of you know some nights fifty people, some nights five hundred, some nights five thousand. Right. You never know what time you're going to play. Yep. Um, which is the cool thing about Warped Tour. They they make they they kept egos aside. Like they literally say, like keep your ego at the door because you never know. You might be playing at doors at eleven o'clock yep. in the morning in front of like no one because people are still walking in, or yep. you might play like at eight o'clock at night. You don't know, and you don't know if it's gonna be hot that day. You don't know if it's gonna be freezing. You don't know if it's gonna be raining. You don't know if there's a freaking uh, thunder uh, tsunami coming out. You like literally every weather you can think of. You hit a warp tour, which is hilarious because it's during it's during the summer, so you would think it'd just be hot every day, but right. it's really not. It's really strange, like <laughs> um, how much it rains actually on warp tour. But um, for sure, yeah, that's my biggest thing. It's not necessarily for me because I've done it, and I'm Ghost. We did it three years, and then um, when I was in this, a band called The Silence, we got um, on a few West Coast dates. 
so I've, I've done it a lot and I feel bad for the younger generation that are never going to be able to experience that unless some other kind of tour comes around that does like a similar thing, yeah. which I don't think will happen. I just think that, and it's been a fact, just ticket sales have been really bad right. for the past few years. The crowds are getting smaller. Production is getting more expensive. Bands are demanding more money. Very true. It's just one of those things where just he, he tried so hard. He's been talking about not doing this tour for years. It's not like yeah. one day he woke up going, <laughs> I don't want to do it anymore. I mean, he, he's been thinking about this for a while. I know. I know for a fact that he's been kind of doing it because he thinks he, I think he thinks he owes it to the fans and the bands. Um, I'm pretty sure like five years ago, he could have easily canceled the tour and, done what he's doing now but he kept it going as long as he possibly could right. you know for what it's worth you know, i thank kevin lineman he, he changed my life like literally if i if he didn't add us to warp tour uh in 2006 with i am ghost for that f uh, first warp tour he did you know that really broke us that really in a positive way i mean it broke us to just we got a lot new fit more fans that found out who the hell we were on that warp tour i remember slowly seeing every show getting bigger and bigger because the album um, EP had just come out and people had no idea when we started the tour <laughs> who the hell we were like no one. Right. Um, and then you just, by the end of the tour, you know, we had hundreds of kids singing along to our, our songs. And it, if it wasn't for Kevin Lyman, I don't, you know, know what we would have been doing that during that summer. Right. I mean, we might've just been touring on something else, but, uh, no, that that guy's awesome, and I think we're gonna. It's gonna be really sad. I mean, what more can you say? It's Warped Tour. No, that's true. I'm gonna follow up, but I have to do this just because I'm sure people who are listening to this, you know, this is coming out later on in the future once I edit everything together. But I have to ask because I'm sure people are screaming it. I know the answer, but I have to ask it. Yeah. Is I Am Ghost going to reunite for Warped Tour at all? You know, after the um. After the show at Chain Reaction, that was really amazing. Um, we uh, there were rumors that people were talking to Kevin and stuff and all that about possibly doing a few dates. Not like the entire thing, but maybe some like Pomona and, and Orange County, okay. and LA dates. But you know, after that show, I decided. I mean, personally for myself, I I told the band, I said that would be really cool if you offered, but I probably would say no. Gotcha. Because I just thought, you know what? We ended it so perfectly. Like we ended with a sold out 600 kids packed into a fucking venue, singing their asses off and nonstop energy. And it was such a great feeling to like walk away from that, that I didn't want to like taint it somehow. Right. And then like do some crappy tour, but I'm ghost and right. it really badly. <laughs> it was, I mean, I don't know. It might've been, what tour might've been amazing. I have no idea, but I personally, it, it was just too perfect of a night and it was too perfect for us to like, say, let's get back together now. Like it just, the guy, the, the other guys in the band are so busy with their other projects. It's ridiculous. Sure. Like they're never home. Like they're, they're, they're always touring. They're always playing shows. So it would just be a nightmare to have to figure out a way to get us all back right. together for even, if it, I mean, it took five years to do one show. <laughs> I don't even know how you could imagine us getting right. back together for like a tour. I don't know idea how they even work. It blows my mind even thinking about okay, I'm getting a headache right now. Even thinking <laughs> and that's what I figured thinking about that. I think people would have been really, really pissed had I not asked. I think that's part of my job, I guess, to, to do that. Yeah. 
So but watch next year. I'll be like, yeah, so we're on tour now. And like, I don't know. Like you never, you never know with, with bands. They, they say they hate each other. They say they love each other. They say they're never going to play again. And then they, and then a year later, they're back <laughs> together. There's been so many reunions now with yes. bands that were big in the 2006, 7, 8, 9 year, you know, era when we were playing that are kind of doing these retrospective kind of reunion tours, like Under Rose, oh, and, yeah. you know, Trey you and they're all back yep. and they're, you know, they're kicking ass. Uh, so Finch came back and I mean, it, it, it's on and on. I mean, the bands that broke up and are back and, but again, every band's different. Every band has different things going on in their lives. Every band, a lot, I mean, a few times I've seen it, names of their art bands, usually being back together for a new tour. And it's just one or two members from the band. Right. It's all, and the rest are all like hired guns. Yeah. And to me, I would never do that. It, it, would, it would have to be either all of the guys from Blowsy Behind or Lover's Requiem or, or nobody. Right. Like, I'm not going to go out. I easily could go hire a bunch of people and say, Hey, let's go on tour. We're going to call it, we're, we're going to go under I'm ghost and we're going to play I'm ghost songs. And we probably make a fucking killing. We probably make kids would dig it, oh, yeah. but I would feel kind of bad doing that. Cause it'd be disrespectful in my opinion to the, to the, to the fans to see a bunch of uh, people who weren't even on lovers record or who weren't even on those of you behind be playing it just right. so when i see other bands do that it does kind of bum me out you know twist their own i guess but no that's very true well let me ask you this then so with the final warp tour coming up if you were gonna go and watch a show just as you know nostalgia and to say like a goodbye to kevin and the tour that you know was there for more than half your life and really changed probably a lot of your life what band would you be extremely excited if not only just reuniting, but what band would you love to see at Warp Tour on that final tour? Wow, that's a really good question, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I would I would probably say like the bands that I grew up with as a kid yeah. or I grew up with would be like AFI, you know, but like not but the AFI that I grew up with, like, you know, the art of drowning, right? Type. Like right. if they did that whole album from or oh, black sales, you know, that'd be amazing. from beginning to end, you know, I, I do respect Davey Havoc. I love, I love all his music. He's just, yes, I mean, I'm sorry. He's a genius, but, um, sure. but like, I felt that's those, those are the, those are the songs I felt with, with AFI. So if, they were to deny for work tour. They're not broken up, but if they were to go on more tour and just do all their old classics, mm-hmm. nothing new, just like that, those two albums, right. I would be so stoked. Cause they, I saw them play a few years ago in Santa Cruz. Um, and you know, I get it. They have like 15 albums. They have to right. play, yeah. so they can't play like every single hit that they had. I, I, I get it. I, I totally understand. But, there was so many songs that they didn't play that I was so bummed out. Same I was here. like walk yeah. away going, man. And they were also promoting the new album, so they were playing a lot of the songs that um I don't even know if the album even came out yet. I think they were they were like, This is a new song, this is a new song off our new album and I'm like, No one knew it I mean, not saying they were bad songs, but you don't know the songs. Right. So you can't really get down and dirty to that when you don't know what they're playing <laughs> so they yeah they didn't play a lot of songs off black sales and, and art of drowning which kind of bummed me out right um and then you know there's bands like the suicide machines which i grew up on yeah. which i would love to see i know they played warped tour a lot back in the day um 
you know, obviously my chemical romance would be dope just because, you know, they, they're, they've been broken up for years right. and just to do, to see them back on stage would be really cool. Cause I knew Gerard back, you know, in the three see revenge days, like that's the Gerard I used to know when I used to hang out with them and stuff. And we, we did warp tour with them, um, in 2004 and five. And <clears throat> when I was in, uh, the silence in 2004 and five, we did, we, uh, did shows with them Very and cool. I, I saw them go from like, no one gives a shit about this band <laughs> yep. to like legends. So it's re- it was really cool to see that. Like, um, so it'd be cool to say, to see that, to then, you know, go back on stage and play the old stuff and, you know, dress up and, but it, it's not going to happen. No. I knew for a fact when they were doing, I saw that stuff like petition to get my chemical romance back <laughs> together. I was just like, Oh my God, you can't force the band no. to like get back together. They either want to do it. They don't a petition. An online petition is bullshit. I hate those things. They, they do not, they do, don't do anything. <laughs> no, very true. <laughs> they, I don't think they do. I don't even think they're legal. They just, bunch of people post stuff. Yeah, no, it's very true. Yeah, that's definitely not happening. I mean, Warp Tour even came out and said it's definitely not happening. And if it was happening, they would have continued to tease it until the announcement came out. So that is not happening whatsoever. Yeah. But that's very cool. I mean, AFI, that would be cool. Like, I think what you said before is very poignant about, you know, younger bands that never got a chance to do a warp tour. I think they're the ones that are really missing out because I think bands like yourself, bands that were established and have done warp tour before, it's not like a big thing for them to say. Like, it's actually probably the hardest tour that you can possibly do. It is. It's the most brutal tour I've ever done. I mean, it's like I stated before, the weather's different every day. Yeah. You don't know when you're going to play half the time. You can't find bathrooms you, when you get there. There's a lot of times the showers aren't, there's no showers or the showers are really far away and you're too tired to go take a shower. So you, it's, it's just brutal. I mean, and you're people, you, you got to understand this. You go to work to any, anybody listening mm-hmm. who's gone to work tour. Imagine how you feel going to Warp Tour one day when you get back, when you get back to your house at like eight o'clock at night, your, you, your neck hurts, your leg, your sunburn, you're tired, you have no energy, you, you, mostly your sunburn, you just feel miserable because you've been sitting in the sun all day, you're exhausted. Imagine doing that 40 shows in a row. Wow. Like literally that's, that's how it is. Right. Like, so, <laughs> you know. I, I always laugh when people are like, when I they post on Facebook or Twitter, like, I got back from Warped Tour, I'm so burned, I'm so exhausted, and walking around all day. I was like, man, I gotta do this again, like, 30 more times. Right. Like, wow, you know, they can only understand what we go through. It really is not um, sunshines and rainbows. <laughs> but again, it's it's a love-hate. You you have all this bitch about, yet it's like the best times of your life. Right. Like, I have nothing but, but great memories um, I wouldn't take it back to the world, like literally the shitty days and the good days, they all kind of intertwine, but nonetheless, it's the best times of your life when you're touring. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. And you know, on my little, little perspective of warp tour, literally last year when I went, it downpoured for 10 straight hours and not just drizzling it downpoured to the point where I was, oh, pour- wow. yeah, I was pouring out my shoes multiple times during the day because it had so much water in them. It's so weird. You, you, and then the day 
probably the day before and in some other state they're playing, it was probably 200 degrees. Right. Or, you know, like you never, it's, it's really strange. Like I, I, I realized on that tour how crazy the U S weather is yep. like summertime. And like you said, downpour, and then there'll be days where it's so windy that they have to like stop the show and have people like not play because they're afraid the stage is going to fall over. Right. Yeah. Um, or there's lightning storms where they have to stop the show and kids have to literally like leave the park because they're afraid that they're going to hit by lightning. And then, they had to come back later. It, it's crazy. I saw that in Denver. Yep. They actually stopped war tour for three hours. Wow. Because of lightning storms. So, yeah. It, it's luckily we 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 had just got done playing, so our set wasn't cut. But, oh, okay. You know, but yeah, it, it, war tour is a strange tour. It really it's, it's really really. It's it's amazing, but it's a strange tour. I, that's all I can really say about that that tour. Absolutely. Well, look. I think we covered a lot. I did want to mention, I think that was a great retrospective, by the way, for those we leave behind. Let's also talk a little bit about the book, Lovers and Kings, right? We talked about that at the last episode, and I got a chance to read a little bit of it as well. What is the progress on that? Well, the progress right now is that it's, it's done. It's just what I've been sending it off to editors, you know, I've been paying to edit the book. We've been, mm-hmm. we're going through the editing stage now, which is a, which is a real, it's a, it's another nightmare upon writing. If anybody who's a writer, I've been writing this book for years. Right. Um, it's probably the hardest thing I've ever done in my life because it, 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 you, you change things so much and you, you, you'll read a chapter and you love it and you read it again like a week later and you hate it. And it's just the way writers are. And, um, and you find loopholes you have to fix and you find things that aren't working and you got things that you need to add more Then there's the parts that got to take out. So right now I'm working with an editor and we're kind of just kind of fine tuning it. Cause right now I don't, I believe you got a early copy. I mean, it got crazy longer after I think after oh, really? I sent it off to okay. you. <laughs> yeah. It, it was close to 500 pages. And so we were kind of like fine tuning it and, at, at the time I was really interested in just getting it out. And then now I've realized I have you know, my work, my, my graphic design studio, mm-hmm. my band, and, you know, other things that was going on in life that I just decided, you know what, I'm going to give this to my editor, have him go through it and, and pick apart what he thinks is, you know, needs to be worked on. And then I'm going to kind of like go back into the book a little later and okay. kind of fix the state and take things But it's, it's definitely going to come out. It's one of those things where, where it's, I put way too much effort and too much time into this story <laughs> And uh, it's going to come out, and I, I when it does, I want I want to be proud of it. I want yeah. I want people reading it. I want to be so stoked that they're they're looking into the story that I you know is a huge part of my life. Right now, I'm not. I wouldn't want anybody to read the story yet because I'm not 100 percent happy with it. Gotcha. I think most writers would feel the same way. There's a lot of insecurities about your writing, and you know. But um, I just I I know that there's more things that could be fixed. So, but I'm not really rushing it. Okay. Which is the big issue right now? I just there there are other writers probably would have released it by now, but um again I want I am a perfectionist I've always been a perfectionist yep and so it it will come out soon hopefully <laughs> yeah I am looking forward to it because like you said I did like right after our first talk 
you sent me like a preview of it and I was on my way to Ireland. So I got a chance to like read on the plane. a yeah. little bit. I got to get into the characters a bit and then never got to finish it. So that's why I am looking forward to it. Yeah. You got the unedited, un- unedited version. I remember that. And then things were changed. It's, it's crazy how things change. Like, you know, the story was going back and forth, back and forth, very kind of, uh, going back from like, you know, 1984, back down 1914, back to 84. And so in my mind, I knew what was going on because I wrote, I wrote the story. Mm -hmm. I know the characters like the back of my hand for other people that are reading it for the first time and don't know these characters, which is like the editor had a good idea was that the structure that I was doing was completely, I think, confusing people Ah, because it was going back and forth, back and forth. Very Quentin Tarantino type esque. (laughs) Um, I, that's why I'm streamlining it. I'm, I'm actually starting the story from a beginning and having an end, having an ending, oh. which I think works way better. Okay. And um, so that's why it's been taking a little longer because I kind of had to restructure everything. Right. And then on top of that, you mentioned it. You're doing graphic design as well, and I know you know you do album covers. I think you did. Did you do the EP for Beyond Unbroken? Yeah, designed uh, their album. You did that? And their did... stage banners and everything, yeah. Yeah, friend of the show, Whitney Payton, you did hers as well? Yeah. Yeah, so you yeah. really make the rounds with you know getting these designs out for artists. Do people normally reach out to you, or do you listen to people's music and go, hey, I've got an idea for this? No, my cl- my, my, most of my uh, clients are will email me. They'll mm-hmm. either go to my website, and they'll contact me through that page, or... Um, They'll email me on Facebook. They'll they'll usually say, "Hey, I just checked out your site. We're a band from Iowa, and we have a, a new album coming out. You know, we we'd like you to design our album cover." And uh, I usually, you know, go from there. I'm I'm kind of picky though. A lot of times, I, yeah. you know, depending obviously, you know, what their their affordability is, because it's hilarious now what people will try to get you designed. <laughs> it <laughs> it you know, I that's another that's another. That's a whole other show we could talk about right. Right. is uh, how people, you know, lowball graphic designers thinking that, you know, they're uh, can work for five dollars an hour. It's hilarious. It's, yeah, it, it, we, we actually had this, I had this talk with this other graphic designer who's actually I won't say his name, but he's, he's pretty popular and kind of famous graphic designer, done a lot of band albums. Mm-hmm. And he's like to this day, he's like people go to my website. They see all the lists of these major label bands album covers I do and then they'll literally say they have a $75 budget for their cover and I just look at them going are you shitting me like literally are you shitting me like do you really believe that I could do that but I get the same thing I get people hit me up and um, now at first I was kind of angry now it's the point where I just laugh I go my god are they serious (laughs) (laughs) so yeah it's that's another old story, but I, I run my own graphic design. That's what pays the bills. That's what pays the rent. That's what, you know, keeps gas in my car. And then music has always been my passion. Writing and music, my book is, yep. I think just as much as my music, but, um, I think the, the, the music is a little more fun because I get to go and play shows and tour and, you know, get, go out to bars afterwards and drink with my friends and, and, you know, see old pals. Right. Whereas writing is way more personal and usually I'm by myself. And so it's a, it's a different feeling. Oh, for sure. Still gratifying. Yeah, that's great. And like, obviously I am looking forward to when the novel comes out. That's going to be awesome. And I did want to wrap things around, you know, go all the way back to the beginning here, make it full circle. 
So Requiem is also going to be playing at least one live show coming up, right? We have uh, like four or five shows booked. Nice. We just can't announce them right now because we, <clears throat> because either A, the headliner hasn't announced it their end yet. So mm-hmm. if we announce it before them, <laughs> uh, we can get a, in a whole lot of trouble. Right. right. <laughs> like kicked off the show or they just get angry. Yep. So we're not going to do that. <laughs> so the only show we're able to announce is uh, March, Saturday, March 17th, which is St. Patrick's Day. Yep. And um, we're playing in Fresno, which is about two hours from Santa Cruz. Okay. Two and a half hours. And um, just a bunch of local bands from Fresno, some really good local bands. And uh, I've never played. I don't think I've ever played on St. Patrick's Day, even in I Am Ghost. I don't remember <laughs> playing on the same. I think we always had a day off or something happened. I don't know. Yeah. I don't remember playing on St. Patrick's Day. So this will be, this will be interesting. Pretty interesting. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully it's not amateur hour where you are. That's for sure. Yeah, it's gonna no. It's gonna be fun, and it's gonna be our first show back in a long time, and right. we're just eager. We're we're actually very excited to play it. We're 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 stoked that it's not like we're we're expecting a lot of people, but the the shows that are coming up after, we're actually very happy to say that um we rather play this show first because we don't want our first show back, you know, to be in front of like six six hundred to thousand people right. and we blow it. <laughs> we want to we want to get a few shows under our belt before we get go on to the bigger shows. Right. So. Let me go ahead and kind of bring it back a little bit more to Requiem so we can close things out. So is there anything we talked about? You know, it's going to be a 10-track full-length album. You're currently still working on it. You've got live shows booked. Is there anything else that you want people to know about the new Requiem music? Um, You know, just pretty much that we're working hard on it and that we just want people that when we start to play live again, touring, if you do see us, like, coming to your town and your city, your state, you never, I mean, this is not just for us, but it can be any band out there, especially like I am ghost. Um, but with Requiem, you never know if that's like the last time they will come to your state. I always say that to people. Like Mm -hmm. if you really want to support a band and they're, they're, and they're out of state and they're touring, they're young and they're touring, um, your area, go see them, pay the 10, 15 bucks, go support them, go buy a shirt, go buy a CD, talk to them, hang out. Um, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I am ghost would like play Texas. And then a week later we get people on our message board, all bummed out, like, you know, saying how they missed us in Texas and now we should, we have to come back. And then right. I'm like, well, we just played your, like, we just played Texas, right. like, five, like six shows in Texas. Like I don't understand, you know, Requiem is that two month tour in William control. Mm-hmm. I know there are some people that didn't come out thinking that we were just going to come back a few months later on another tour and we end up breaking up. So you yeah. just never know. So I always tell people if you, if you do want to support bands and you really want to, uh, you know, make them feel good, it just go see them play. I mean, that's all, that's like the least I think you can do for somebody who you respect and you like their music. Cause right. they put so much time and money and, and hours recording and, and getting their set right and making merch and and then they come to your town and you don't show up it just i mean you have something important to do like a wedding or you know, there's something like really big going on i i understand yeah. i'm not you know but if you're just like being a little bitch and just <laughs> don't want to go out don't want to go out in your car and drive the 10 miles to the, go see the, the show because you're just tired then to me that's just like well you know 
you, I don't know. It, it, to me, it's just one of those things where, you know, you never know if your favorite band's going to be around much longer. Because like I said, things happen and it, bands come and go. As, as I know from experience right. for doing this for so long. Um, so that's the only thing I can really say. Just yeah. go support your bands. Go support us. If we come to your town, come to our show. And I can say that we'll, you'll definitely get your money's worth. Absolutely. Come see Rec Room. Yeah. And along those lines, I mean, that's why I still go to shows, you know, on a weekly basis, pretty much is because I love it and I want to support bands and I never know. Just like you said, I don't know if it's the last time they're going to be around here. And go support the look, go support their openers. I mean, their bands probably on tour. There's a big, big bands coming to your, your town and they're on tour and they have a few support acts on tour with them. They're young that no one know about. Go, go get there early, watch them because yeah. you never know. Uh, you might find your new favorite band. Um, you know, that's what we were doing. I am Ghost. We were, when we started out, we were the first band a lot of times on the stage. And then when we did the Take Action tour with um, Magic Romance oh, and Paramore sure. and all those, we were the first band on, we were literally, <laughs> if doors were at 5.30, we were on at 5.45. Wow. Like, and um, that's how we started. We, 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 we would start, we, because no one knew who we were. We were, we had to pay our dues and we had to work at it. So we, we did it and we, you know, so like I, it's like I said, you go and support the locals, go support the new bands out there, go support just cause you don't know who they are. does not mean that they suck. Right. I'm thinking like big perception, like, Oh, I don't know who they are. <laughs> well then, okay. Yeah. Go listen. <laughs> what does that mean? Right. You know? No, absolutely. No, I completely agree yeah. with you, Steve. So we are going to wrap everything up right now. I'm going to have links in the description of the episode so that everyone can support you. I am Ghost Requiem. Get everything they possibly can. Check out your graphic designing. Everyone's going to be able to get in touch with you very easily. You mentioned people should be going to shows. Watch out for Requiem coming to hopefully a city near you for sure. But is there anything else you would like people to know before we wrap this up? I think definitely we're going to have to do a show sometime later this year where we just talk politics and graphic design and everything else going on that doesn't even have to deal with music because I have a feeling we could talk about all that stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, music and art and, and, and books and comic books. I mean, you can talk for hours. I can talk for hours on exactly. that stuff. I mean, so <laughs> it's hard to kind of pick apart what's juicy and what's not and make it into one hour show. It's, it's going to be, it's going to be tough. <laughs> well, that's why we'll have to do it again and it'll just be fun. We'll just go through all that stuff. Yeah. Well, Steve, thank you once again for coming back on Ian hates music or Ian hates conversations, music edition, which is what I'm calling it now. So thank you, man. And we're definitely going to talk soon. Yeah. Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate, you know, taking the time to uh, listen to me ramble on about I am ghost and all my, <laughs> I could do that you for know, forever. old, old punk rock bands. Yeah. So yeah, it's be fun times coming up. Absolutely, man.
and I am back. The track you just heard was So I Guess This Is Goodbye from the I Am Ghost album, Those We Leave Behind. Wow, I really enjoyed that conversation. Obviously, Stephen has some really great stories, not to mention how influential he's been in my musical taste. Huge thanks go to Stephen for coming on the show again. I can't wait for the next time. Stephen has a ton of stuff for you to check out. Make sure to do so and support him by following the links in the description of the episode. Look out for the new Requiem album as well as new tour dates. I hope he's coming to Boston, but that's a side story. Last up, if you liked what you heard, please support Ian Hates by following the other links in the description of the episode. Thank you very much to everyone who listens, to everyone who continues to support. It really does mean a lot. All right, let's end this right with another track from The Unexplainable Truth. Here's Where the Hell Did the Romance Go? And I will leave you, the way I always do, long days and pleasant nights. Thanks, everyone.
Not the best decision that I